Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, July 19th, 2021. We say that always for those of you listening on a downloaded basis. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals, it is for mortgage professionals. We're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we're just thrilled to have 11 years under our belt. Alice and I were talking about that a little bit here last week. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but we enjoy bringing this podcast to you. And thank you so much for your many, many comments. You can email me at david at tms-advisors.com for your ideas or guests, or you can text me at 512 That's my cell phone comes right to me. In fact, a number of you have that and will text me even while we're in the middle of the podcast. Love hearing from you. It's a great way for me to flip your questions before our clients. So you can do it that way or you can also go to LinkedIn. Send me a LinkedIn message. So good to have you with us and we're excited about today's Hot Topic segment. You're going to want to stay tuned all the way through to the Hot Topic. We have Will Robinson, CEO of Encapture joining us. We're going to be talking about why employee experience is key to today's lending market. You'll enjoy the interview. I enjoyed my conversation last week as we were getting ready for the interview this week and some great content as we try our best to continue to just do better and better, bringing you meaningful content. Let's get over and say a special thank you to Industry Syndicate. We're grateful for our relationship with IndustrySyndicate.com. If you go to their website, you can see all the podcasts are out there that are talking about how to successfully deal with realtors, how to bring you more business. A lot on the sales front, but there are some others that focus on what we do is the operational front or some other aspects of the operations. Someone just texts me and says, what? I've never done that. I'm going there now. Like, appreciate it. All right. Thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Appreciate them and be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app so you can have your voice heard in Washington, D.C. on the Hill. The MBA does such a great job of championing the issues that are important to us, the mortgage lenders. So encourage you to support their efforts by getting the Mortgage Action Alliance app. Make sure your voice is heard. Also, we're all excited about getting together for the annual conference in San Diego. If you have not registered for that conference, be sure to do so. Of course, it's a big discount if you become a member, so get a hold of Trisha Megalazzo or one of her staff on how to become a member of the MBA. Appreciate all that they do. Thanks, Trisha, and to the whole staff at the MBA. Also, Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution does a great job. Their entire platform is hosted in the cloud. It's dedicated creating a greater user experience for your customer. And it's also really nice to use. I was on a call that one of their webinars this last week, and they do a great job at communicating out trends that are going on. Now, I know they have a lot of market share in the banks and credit union space, but you independent mortgage bankers, make sure you check out Fusion Mortgage Bot POS. It also personalizes the application process. They do a great job. So check it out on our website, click on lending under the sponsorship page and the interview I did with Dan Putney, along with some of the comments from Dan. Appreciate our partnership with 
Finastra. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Now, these are two co-ops that I highly recommend you consider joining one or the other. Now, we belong to both, and others do as well. Now, the MBA is so effective what they do, and these conferences are good, but they're so big. The value that Lenders One brings is the fact that they will bring you up close and personal to each other and the pure analysis that both of these groups do is really, really excellent. We had Justin Demolia on on June 28th. Go back and listen to that interview and we're working on another interview with Mortgage Collaborative. So stay tuned. We'll have one of them on as a guest give us an update as well. Also, the CMLA, which is the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, grateful for them, their partnership, as well as Incelerate. It's an insane product and Josh Friend is a good friend and you should make him a friend in that product as well. They do a great job of helping you with a borrower engagement and communicating and interacting between you, the lender, and the borrower. Go listen to the interview we did in June 21st with Josh Fram. Also, Knowledge Group, great learning management system, as well as Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence. So check out the interview that I did with Ben Turling over the 4th of July weekend. Great interview. It's getting a ton of downloads and some great strategies in there, as well as Modex. Got an interview coming up with them in the future. I encourage you to check out both of these very powerful technologies when it comes to recruiting. Modex has got just enough of a difference in the feature set from mobility. While they do a lot of the similar things, we're finding value in using both of them. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to MBA's Rob Van Raphorse and this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapport. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Late last week, FHFA announced that it will eliminate the 50 basis point adverse market refinance fee as of August 1st. This is in response to MBA's advocacy. MBA President and CEO Bob Brooksmith released a statement applauding the announcement. In recent weeks, FHFA, under the leadership of Sondra Thompson, has taken several actions that should benefit consumers and market participants alike while promoting the smooth functioning of the housing finance system. MBA will remain closely engaged with FHFA as other policy decisions are assessed by the agency. And finally, MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey last week showed that the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased to 3.5%. MBA estimates 1.75 million homeowners are currently in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. 3.5%. That's an encouraging number. Love to see that. We need to see the, those loans and forbearance dropping. Hopefully it's because they're working it out. We need some housing inventory. I hope we don't have to get into foreclosures to boost housing inventory, but um, encouraging number. Good job. Appreciate you very much, MBA, and all that you guys do there. So let's get over to Les Parker with a macro view of the markets. Les, what do you have for us, and what's the music parody this week? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. When it's hot, it's hot. Chairman Powell, do you think inflation is too hot Well, Senator, it depends on what hot is. At the Fed, we debate two questions. What is too hot and how long does hot last? The Fed sticks to its definition that the current hot has not lasted long enough to be hot. But if it gets hotter and lasts longer, then it's hot and the Fed will act like Fed Chairman Powell Volcker did in the 70s. Since the creation of inflation, economists argue about how to measure it. So the Fed uses a few approaches to CPI, and they don't show a spike in prices. And when it's not, it's not. Add liquidity and let them roll again. When it's hot, it's hot. These views are my own. Get more while it's hot at 
TMSpotlight.com. Yeah, when you're hot, you're hot. It's hot in Texas. Good song choice, Les. Love that. Yeah, what's going on with the feds? Very interesting stuff. Look at what's happening to the markets right now. It's very interesting. And we have a recorded update. Matt went out in this place across over the weekend, wrote me and says, I got to go to the hospital. I got to get this x-rayed. I heard himself. That's weekend warriors. We sit at our desk and then we go out and go play some sport, weekend athletes. And uh, that sometimes can result in a trip to ER or to uh, get some x-rays. That's where Matt's at. So we got a pre-recorded comment. So let's get over to Matt. What you got, Matt? This is Matt Graham with MBS Live Market Update. Last week was an interesting one for the bond market as yields pushed back up after hitting the lowest levels in months on July 8th. In fact, the pushback started on the Friday of the previous week, and we were really waiting to see how last week went as sort of a verdict on the previous week's weakness. The key considerations at the beginning of the week were twofold. It was the Treasury auction process and the release of the CPI data on Tuesday morning, CPI being Consumer Price Index, one of the key measures of inflation, and the report that the bond market has been, at the very least, willing to react to as a part of the whole feeling out process of potential post-COVID inflation. Inflation, of course, matters greatly to the bond market, but we're being asked to sort of suspend disbelief on that because there is a likelihood, depending on whom you speak to, that inflation is transitory, driven by supply chain disruptions that will eventually work themselves out and resolve with historically more normal inflation, even if it's a little bit higher than it has been in the post-financial crisis period. So starting off last week, we had the three-year and the 10-year note auction both on Monday, and that went well enough. There was only minimal weakness to start the new week, and it was really more of a punt of Tuesday to set the tone for the week. Unfortunately, the tone was set in a negative direction by the combination of the CPI data and the 30-year bond auction. CPI came in at 4.5% versus 4.0 forecasts, and that's at the core level, which strips out more volatile components like food and energy prices. 4.5 is a huge number, the biggest we've seen in decades, and of course, much higher than the forecast and even higher than the previous reading of 3.8%. At any other time in economic history, this would be grounds for a fairly substantial bond market sell-off. As it stands, we just barely got a blip from 1.35 up to about 1.385 in terms of 10-year yields, and that only lasted about 30 minutes before bonds were rallying back down to previous levels, which is just fairly staggering if you ask me. Bigger mover of the day was the 30-year bond auction. It wasn't the weakest one we've ever seen, but it was quite weak and enough to make bond traders sort of reconsider where they wanted to price the long end of the yield curve at the present time. In hindsight, Moving into the current week and even into the end of last week, we could see that that reaction to the 30-year auction probably had more to do with just sort of an indigestion among bond market participants and dealers left holding the bag with maybe more 30-year supply than they wanted and being forced to sort of redistribute it to the rest of the street. So basically, it was like throwing a wrench into the wood chipper. And once markets worked through that, they started to calm down, but they didn't rally so aggressively that we should just have assumed that rates would be doing what they're doing this morning. So coming to the current week, what are rates doing this morning? If you haven't seen yet, 10-year yields are down about 10 bips, trading around 1.2%. They were as low as 1.176%, level very few people thought we would see at this point in the year, and something that is only made possible by a resurgence in COVID. What? The resurgence in COVID? You may be wondering, what's up with that? Because everywhere you look, life is back to normal in many ways. People are out doing more things, and case counts overall are very low still. But the thing that the market is watching in that respect is the week-over-week change or the rate of change indicators that can help them ascertain the momentum of a potential resurgence in COVID or impacts from the Delta variant. And that is as high as it's been since January of 2021. 
and specifically, just so we're clear on the data that I'm using, I'm talking about the week-over-week -week change in new COVID cases, and those numbers on three separate occasions in the past, well, since July 9th, have been at the highest levels since January. And if we want to smooth out those spikes by looking at a seven-day moving average, that seven-day moving average is up around 12,570 right now. The previous high from back in April was around 7,000. So definitely moving in the wrong direction, and it correlates quite well with the decline in bond yields over the same time. So that case count trajectory probably would need to level off and go back into negative territory, which it really hasn't seen since before June. And in order for yields to bounce here and move disturbingly higher. Between now and then, I think the path of least resistance, at least for the past few months, has been toward lower yields as sort of the euphoric economic optimism associated with post-COVID reopening runs its course. And we're left to wait to see what the economy does in the fall, what the Fed has to say about it in terms of tapering, and really how the post-COVID economy is evolving and whether or not the Delta variant is counting for a resurgence in cases that threatens additional economic restrictions in various states. In other words, we're not out of the woods yet. Bond markets are reflecting that. They're also undergoing a bit of a pain trade since everybody assumed rates would be going higher. There's an imbalance of positions that's left traders sort of vulnerable to a snowball move, a short covering, short squeeze rally coming back in the other direction. We'll definitely take it for now. Great effect on rates. Combine that with the removal of the adverse market fee, which lenders have already priced in as of Friday, and many lenders have removed the fee even on locked loans, which is really nice to see and an honorable, logical thing that's having a huge impact on pricing power, especially for refinances. Of course, it doesn't have any impact on purchases, but it definitely has an impact on refis and is actually going to bring some borrowers from earlier this year into the money for a refi right about the time their six-month EPO windows are up. So definitely expecting more activity on the refi front if you're not already seeing it, and also still sort of guarding against reversal in this bond market positivity driven by the current COVID situation. So if that's able to get more under control and reverse course, then of course this move is in jeopardy. But between now and then, definitely enjoying what we're seeing in markets and on rate sheets. That'll do it for this week. Back with you guys next week. Yeah, throwing a wrench into the wood chipper is an understatement. And then looking for the Delta variant. I just love listening to this guy, right? So Matt, appreciate you getting in there. I hope you're feeling better, man. So good to have you with us. Just a pleasure. Matt, good job. Appreciate you very much. We've got Alice Alvey, CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. And she's got this week's legislative update. Man, lots to talk about, Alice. A lot going on. There is. And I love Matt's report. That was terrific. Well, and of course, Les's song parody is perfect. Yeah. They both played well together perfectly. So for my report, we've got the refinance fee, or some people refer to it as a tax on refinances. So thank you, Sandra Thompson, for getting rid of yeah. that. And we'll see how that plays out over the next several weeks for lenders. As Matt alluded to, taking a look at existing pipelines and all those new borrowers that are now in the money, as we say, for refinance. And everybody will be out there arm wrestling and fighting. The next thing is, and this may or may not be included in certain housing infrastructure bills that are being worked on, but this one is called the Down Payment Toward Equity Act of 2021. And I was taking a little deeper dive into this with the idea being that this goes through, it's a big taxpayer bill. So for those of you who don't like the idea of spending billions of dollars, I think the price tag on this one was $600 billion to try and fund down payment, closing costs, and discount points essentially for borrowers who would be eligible for this program. The borrowers eligible for this program are those who are with a median income at 120% or less of the median income. They're a first-time home buyer, as we've traditionally defined with the last three years, they haven't owned a home. But there's a third criteria 
which is being a first-generation home buyer. So a whole different market, still have yet to identify how the heck we would verify that if we need a mortgage report on that individual. They have some complexity in the definition, but this is just a draft legislation. So how it actually ends up being, we'll wait and see. But it is who would be eligible for up to $20,000 towards down payment and closing costs. And then there's a third criteria that if an individual that's part of a socially and economic disadvantaged group, they would also be eligible for up to $25,000. So it really is a very big piece of legislation as far as the dollars attached to it. This would be administered by your state housing finance authority. And it is something that is being discussed in the halls of Congress as we speak to be able to see whether or not it would be able to move forward. Now, as far as mortgage loans, it could be attached to, it would be eligible for Fannie, Freddie, or FHA. For me, when I look at it, my concern is obviously FHA will probably be the product of choice, which means adding a lot of pressure to the mortgage insurance fund. I think it would be very difficult to try and do these loans on two to four units. So I really would love to see MBA advocate on let's just keep it to single family. If this is going to move forward, one unit properties, the borrowers have no landlord experience and no reserves. So I think there's a lot that goes with this program. As a side note, it does have what I claw back or a recapture provision if the borrower refinances and pays off that loan within five years. So it does have an obligation on the home buyer to stay in the home as owner-occupied for a minimum of five years. So more to come on this. We're going to keep watching it. It doesn't even have a house bill number. You can look it up by using the term Down Payment Toward Equity Act of 2021 if you want to read more about that. And then yeah. the third thing is that we have Jenny May out there now looking for requests for input to increase the liquidity requirement for lenders. It's a short read, but they're looking for a request for input from everybody. We have until uh, oh, August 9th, all the responses must be back. And they're looking at increasing the Jenny May net worth requirement, increasing the liquidity requirement, and adding a risk-based capital ratio for qualifying for Jenny May. So take a look at that one as well. Got a little bit of time because it just rolled out on Monday. And that's right, and my update for today, Dave. Yeah. Was it this Monday, like today, that it rolled out or was that last week? Uh, last Monday, the uh, RFI was published. Yeah. One of the questions that came in is, do they suggest amounts or they just say they're contemplating raising it? Yeah. So the dollar amount, so they're proposing a 25 bit of the GSE outstanding obligation would get added to the existing net worth requirement. The liquidity would go up five bips of GSC outstanding obligations and 20 bips of total loans held for sale. And then the risk-based capital requirement of a 10% capital ratio. And you can look in the proposal. It's a real short one, real quick, easy to read. Easy um, and I'll show you the math in there. I like the way they laid this one out. Good. Yeah. A government agency doing something short and sweet and concise and clear? It or really not? starts to align a little bit with some of the CFPB requirements is what we're starting yeah. to see. They all want to compensate for having liquidity beyond what's just being held with them. Yeah, it's understandable. It seems like we do a lot of helping companies get approved. All of them, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae, HUD. And uh, Jenny Mae has been a little more of a challenge lately. And so we know that there are things in flux there. We time to get uh, Greg Keith back on here in the podcast and uh, get an update. That's what we need to do. Anyway, Alice, thank you so much. Appreciate it very much. You're welcome, Dave. Thanks for all you do. I don't know if everybody realized how much work Dave goes through to keep this show going week after week after week. And thank you for all you do to keep this going, Dave. Well, it's a labor of love. I, I love doing this and I do it with some of my favorite people and 
You being one of them, Alice, thank you so much for being a part of it for 11 years. It is a lot of work. It's finding the guests, vetting the guests, going through all that, but it is worth it because of the service we're providing. You make it that much better, too. Thank you so much, Alice. Appreciate it. Well, Alan Pollock is not joining us today. He is on vacation, or so we assume. We haven't heard from him. That's really what's going on. We haven't heard from Alan. Alan, where are you? We missed you getting the tech updates, but that's all right. We'd wish you well. He has been one busy guy lately. I don't know if his old company got acquired, Loan Logics. We miss Alan. We love hearing from him. But anyway, this does end the weekly mortgage update. Appreciate you as our listeners. Next week, we've got Brent Chandler of Form Free back with us. I recorded that interview this last week, and I got to tell you, there is so much information in the vision. Again, it's like peeling the onion, Brent's vision for what could be. It's really, really exciting. I want to say a special thank you again to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, Incelerate, Mobility, MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, and the Mortgage Collaborative. So grateful for their sponsorship to make this podcast possible each and every week. We're grateful to have you as our listeners. Be sure to share this podcast out. That's how we've grown. So the size of a listenership that we have is because of our faithful listeners sharing links to this podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.